Would you please welcome Sister Rhonda Burton. Good evening. We're going to go ahead and say our declaration. So if you want to stand back up, we'll do that. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. And to God be the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, so I, I think you could probably say that this might be part two to the devotion that I did just a few short weeks ago. Um, so I'm going to start off by reading a scripture out of Deuteronomy 23 and 5. And the scripture says, Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Deuteronomy 23 and 5 says that the Lord will turn curse to blessing for us because he loves us. Psalms 30 and 11 speaks of God turning our mourning to our sorrow to dancing. 1 Samuel 10 and 6 tells of the time when Samuel told Saul that he was about to meet a company of prophets along the road. And he said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. All of these verses use the Hebrew word for reversal, which is hafak. That means to turn or turn around, to overthrow, to change, to reverse, or to transform oneself. So there was a turning or a reversal that took place in each one of those scenarios. It can be used for personal inner transformation, just as with Saul, as a military term indicating overthrowing an enemy kingdom or to indicate the presence of God's hand to turn evil intention into divine purpose. In the book of Esther, we see it used in the sense of reversing a decree of death and destruction and releasing a new decree of authority, life, and peace. Esther is a prophetic picture of the church, the followers of Christ, who are interceding for nations and generations today. Many of us are very familiar with the book of Esther, but we're going to take a, a closer look at it tonight. It's the story of a young Jewish woman living in captivity in Persia who was made queen. Shortly after, it was discovered that a wicked man named Haman had written a decree against the Jewish people to wipe them off the face of the earth and to take all of their property. Esther's relative, or her guardian, whose name was Mordecai, asked her to go before the king to intercede for a reversal of the death decree that had gone out for her people. 
Again, the word intercession, and why do I always talk about that word when I'm up here doing devotion? Because that's what we come here to do on Wednesday nights, is to intercede. The word intercession describes the prayer or petition in favor of someone else. The person who intercedes acts as a go-between to help solve the problem. It also describes someone who intervenes to bring help. And the word intervene paints the picture of a true intercession. It means to come between opposing sides, to jump into the middle of something to interfere. It means to get involved so as to alter or hinder, and actions through force or threat of force. That is what it means to intervene. In other words, an intercessor, one who prays, an intercessor gets in the way and interrupts the devil's plans. That's what we gather here to do on Wednesday nights. We come to inter in and to interrupt the devil's plans and that's exactly what Esther did and that's what the church is called to do as well today there's great hostility against believers and the cause of Christ in the earth and it seems to be only growing worse even now as we see what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan the devil would love to see wickedness and injustice prevail and the voice of righteousness and truth be silenced we're living in the day where good is called evil and evil is called good. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And if you go to look up what the word woe means when it begins that scripture, it means judgment is coming. Judgment is coming to those who call evil good and good evil. And let me tell you, church, God's looking for intercessors who's going to jump into the middle of things through prayer to get in the way of the devil's plans and to cause things to turn around. The king in the story of Esther was named Ahasuerus. And according to Strong's Concordance, his name means, I will keep you poor and silent. That was the meaning of his name. His intent was to keep them poor and silent. And that's the same strategy that the enemy is using against the church today. He wants to keep us in poverty, spiritual poverty, and he wants to keep us silent. He wants to silence our voice. In today's media and culture, prayer and faith are mocked in an attempt to intimidate and silence the voice of God's people and to rob us of having any influence in our culture. But God has a plan, and the pendulum is swinging, and the enemy is overplaying his hand. The enemy has underestimated the power of a praying church. God's church is rising in power to intercede and to get in the way of the enemy's plans. And I believe that the curse is getting ready to be turned into a blessing for us. And I'm not here to try to figure it out. I'm not here to try to figure out how the Lord's going to do that. I'm just here to tell you that God can turn things around when people pray. I believe in divine reversals. Galatians 3.13 tells us that Jesus became a curse for us so we don't have to live under a curse. He was a master of divine reversal. Everything Jesus did demonstrated God's power to turn death to life. He demonstrated the power to turn sickness to health, to turn poverty to blessing, and to turn captivity to freedom. 
We've been given the power to act as intercessors, as frontline warriors. We've been called to, to get in the way of the enemy's devices. We need to decree freedom and blessing and extend that freedom to others by reversing the curses of darkness as we pray and decree heaven's purposes into the earth. So let's take a look at Esther chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 and it says, When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. We see here that when Esther approached the king's throne, the king stretched out his scepter of favor to her. We can picture this as the church approaching the throne of the Lord and receiving favor. When we have favor with God, we can ask him to give us favor with others as well. It's often said that faith is the currency of heaven, meaning that as we spend our faith before God, he hears our prayers and pours out the resources of heaven over our lives. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help and find grace to help in time of need. When scripture says to come boldly before God's throne of grace, it's much more than just forgiveness of sins. It's also a throne of favor. So if we, if we break that scripture down a little bit, let's look and see just exactly what it is that the word is telling us. In the New Testament, the words grace and favor come from the Greek word charis. The Greek word charis means graciousness and sweetness. It means goodwill, gifts, rewards, strength, and increase. And to come boldly, boldly means to come with free and fearless confidence. When we approach the throne of God, when we approach the Lord in prayer, we are to come to him with, with courage. We are to come to him with free, fearless confidence. We are to come to him with freedom and boldness of speech, open and honest. We are to be blunt with him and with cheerful courage. In that scripture where it says to obtain mercy, it means to obtain kindness from the Lord or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted. It means joined with a desire to help them. And if we look at the word help, the Greek word for help is boethia. I'm always giving you military terms, I know that, but the word of the Lord is full of military terms. And this is a military term, and it means a call to battle to help someone who is struggling in a time of need. We come boldly before God's throne of grace or God's throne of favor, and we ask boldly for what is needed. We ask for ourselves, and we ask on behalf of others. Again, it's a picture of intercession. If we ever need the people of God, if, we ever, if the people of God ever needed favor to impact our world, that time is now. We need God's help in our nations. And I said nations. That's plural. The world needs God's help. We need God's help in our families. We need God's help to do the work of the kingdom and to see a mighty harvest of souls. We also need favor with our fellow man if we are to have open doors of opportunity and to walk in influence that shifts cultures. 
In the process of divine reversal in the story of Esther, God began to set Haman up to have his wickedness exposed so that the only option would be for the king to destroy him. Watch for exposure to happen more and more as God uncovers corruption, as he uncovers wickedness and plans and, and other plans devised in darkness. We've been seeing this quite a bit over the last year, and it's only going to increase. As the story of Esther goes on, we find that Haman was not only exposed, but he was also executed. Even though he was executed, his decree of destruction remained in place. This process was not just about destroying an opponent, but also about cutting off his entire scheme that he had set into motion. In other words, Haman's decree of darkness still had legal ground to carry out the curse. When Esther approached the king again in order to have the decree of Haman revoked, the king responded with these words that we find in Esther chapter 8 verse 8. It says, you yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Can I tell you the word of the Lord is sealed and it cannot be revoked. When you begin to declare the word of the Lord and pray the word of the Lord, it has power and it has might and it cannot be revoked. We need to be writing new decrees over our lives and over our situations and declaring the word of the Lord. The enemy has declared things over our personal lives, over the church and over our nations. He's filling the airwaves in the spirit realm as well as the natural realm with decrees of fear, unrighteousness, death, defeat, destruction, and intimidation. When Esther first learned of Haman's plan of destruction, Mordecai shook her out of her fear by saying, listen to this. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews. They're going to be delivered. Whether you're silent or whether you're not, they're going to be delivered. But they will be delivered from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And let me just say, I will not be silenced. I want to be a part of what God is doing in the earth today. Hallelujah. So today and right now, we are in an Esther moment. The church cannot be silenced. Nations are hanging in the balance. America is hanging in the balance. Afghanistan is hanging in the balance. Our brothers and sisters, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Kabul right now, their lives are hanging in the balance. Will you be silent? Will you be silent or will you raise your voice on behalf of them? Will you be the intercessor? Will you be the help that they need right now? We can't be silent. We've got to pray and we've got to decree the word of the Lord. Write it down if you have to. Let it be your confession. We've got to uproot unrighteous decrees and write new decrees that speak to God's purposes and plans. I'm not talking about name it and claim it stuff. I want to make that clear. I'm not that kind of a person. But I'm talking about the written word of the Lord. We've got to decree God's word in truth, knowing that the penetrating power of the gospel of Jesus can set others free. We've got to change our language to reflect what God is saying. We've got to say what God is saying. 
We may need to write letters. We may need to make phone calls to senators or governors or congressmen to get certain reversals. You have the power to do that. You have the resources to do that. And if we find ourselves in the public spotlight, standing before kings and rulers of this world, we've got to have the wisdom of Esther and Mordecai to speak words that will turn curses to blessings. In this time of great darkness, the people of God need to flood the atmosphere with decrees and prayers that drive out death and darkness and bring light and life. So what decree did Esther and Mordecai write? They wrote a decree authorizing God's people to fight back. They were allowed to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the forces of any people or province that would assault them. We read that in Esther 8 and 11. I know this doesn't go along with, what, with Jesus' command when he says to turn the other cheek. But this isn't talking about fighting and destroying. I'm not talking about fighting and destroying people. It's about overthrowing rulers of darkness. Don't turn my words around. And I feel like if I've ever needed to clarify this, it's today. Because of our liberties of freedom of speech. Um, this is about, I'm not giving anybody permission to go out and commit murder. This is about standing in the gap against the rulers of darkness and the principalities behind the motives of unrighteousness. It's about unjust antichrist systems that must be reversed. We can have no mercy on the spirits of darkness. And we find that in Deuteronomy 7 and 1 through 2. And it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy for them. Friends, we are in a spiritual war, and that's what I'm talking about tonight. What's happening in our nation and the nations abroad is spiritual warfare. We're not helpless and we're not hopeless. We can fight back by employing every spiritual warfare, every spiritual weapon in our arsenal in order to see triumph. 2 Kings 2 and 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I know it doesn't look like it, but spiritually speaking, the church is entering into times of great victory. The world might not be, but the church is. We've got to partner with the Lord if we want to see divine reversals come to pass. We see the reversal for the Jews fully manifested in Esther 9 and 1. The ESV version of the Bible says, On the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to overpower and gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. And instead, the Jews overpowered and gained mastery over those who hated them. An entire nation was saved that day. At the moment of crisis, God turned everything around for his people. We're living in a similar time of divine reversal. And I believe that God wants to turn some things around for his people. 
I know that's a bold statement to make based on what we see and hear in the physical. It looked as though the Jews were headed for disaster and destruction, but because there was one who stood in the gap and interceded on behalf of a nation, and because of her intercession, God turned things around for a nation. And if God would do it for them, will he not do it for us? Hallelujah. I say enough is enough. And I say, how much is the church willing to tolerate? It's time. And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking directly about this church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. It's time for the bride of Christ to get bold and to get brave. It's time for her to rise up with courage and to tear down what the enemy has raised up against her. Esther 9.25 says, when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot which Haman had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Haman built gallows to hang Mordecai, but he ended up being hanged on, on, by, on them himself. And not only was Haman destroyed, but his 10 sons were also killed so they could not retaliate. And that is exactly what I'm praying. I'm praying for God to cause every curse and every assignment thrown from the pits of hell to turn right back upon the head of our spiritual enemy. You might say that's ruthless and that's bold. But what I would say is that's called warfare. Spiritual warfare. Let's make that clear. There's no clean fight in spiritual warfare. I'm praying for and believing for some divine reversals in America. And one in particular is for God to turn back, turn us back to righteousness and justice. God's awakening his people from complacency. And he's even raising up non-believers to advocate for truth and righteousness in the media and in the White House. When we call on the name of the Lord, God hears the cries of his people. I think we underestimate the cries of God's people. I've heard it many times. I've thought it myself. I've said it myself. What can we do? There's nothing we can do but pray. And we say that like that's a bad thing. We say that like, well, that's all we can do. That is all we can do. We need to be saying that differently. There's power in what we can do. So um, he, can t he can and he will turn things around for his people. And once more, I just want to say it again. Deuteronomy 23 and 5 says, Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be your prodigal sons and daughters, whether it be your family or your ministries, whether it be your businesses and even nations, God is all about reversing the curse of the enemy because he loves us. So in the way of prayer, if you want to go ahead and make your way up here, we're going to pray. And what do you need God to reverse in your life? Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's the nation. I know the nation is on everybody's heart right now, as it should be. But if you'll stand and go ahead and make your way, we're going to pray.